You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1257 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening, June 10th. And today's show is packed with mailbag questions and answers from me. I've not been solo in a while, so uh, hopefully you guys have all been enjoying the guests. I would say the parade of guests that have been coming through on the podcast. And also, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as YouTube on the video side. If you have an audio-only subscription, I definitely thank you for that as well. But it doesn't take you much time to subscribe on YouTube as well. That's a very nice crossover kind of thing to support the podcast. But we've had all kinds of episodes recently about the NBA draft, about the players on the Hawks roster, about trade stuff, etc. And, you know, long guest list that includes Jake Rosen. And by the way, that's a two-part episode that I dropped with Jake on Wednesday and Thursday to rave reviews. Jake is very smart. That was a fun conversation and covers a lot of ground on the NBA draft. We've had player capsules with Glenn Willis, Beachtree Hoops. has done me a huge favor talking about a lot of guys on the roster. That's been uh, up and down in the space. Ben Pfeiffer, Ricky O'Donnell, Tower Jones, R- Robbie Cowland, Andrew Kelly, Ben Ladner, Mark Schindler. The list goes on. All kinds of fun guests in the last month or two since the Hawks season ended. And uh, wall-to-wall coverage continues in this space as, the again, the draft is coming very soon. As I record this, 13 days away from the draft. And uh, also that kind of is an unceremonious way to kick off the offseason in general with trade stuff kind of opening up before that. And then it's kind of a rampage from there until like, you know, mid to late July. So plenty to get to. On the podcast. At any rate, today's pod will be mailbag questions. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm sort of gonna, gonna combine some, talk about some of the. I'm not even saying they're gonna be news, but sort of rumblings. People, people asking me a lot of these, especially early on in the podcast, were like dual questions. I got lots of questions about certain guys that I'm gonna touch on briefly here on the show, but and we'll get into some other stuff later on about a Kongwu and Bogdanovich, etc. So thanks for listening to the podcast, and here we go. Uh, first question uh, was actually from a lot of people, but I'm gonna, I took one from Greg, who says the following. I can't remember where, but I saw a headline about the Hawks really trying to move John Collins. How likely is that to actually happen? So there's nothing hugely new here when, with regard to Collins. I talked about Collins at length as a player with Glenn Willis earlier in the offseason, but you know the rumblings are out there. Uh, the chatter has been out there for John for the last couple of years on and off about him being a trade candidate. Obviously, he's been paid now by the Hawks. He's making a lot of money, but I think it's still appropriately paid, which is important to keep in mind. He's not super cheap anymore, but certainly a guy who's not on a bad contract by any means. But there's a smoke out there for sure about the Hawks being a little bit more eager this time around and move Collins than they have been in the past. And that kind of jives with the, you know, the understanding from the top down that the Hawks want to do something different going into next year. Uh, I'm pretty high on Collins. If you're a new listener on the show, I'll just say that out loud. I'm not quite as high as Tyler Jones is, friend of the podcast, but I'm definitely on the higher side about Collins. I think he's a good player. He's a very versatile player. He's an improved defender at this point in time. Good offensive player, obviously, finishing around the rim, elite there, and then a good shooter for the perimeter, et cetera, et cetera. But in my understanding, definitely a couple times the last couple of years, it's been reasonably close to moving on from Collins, both in you know free agency and then obviously now uh, via trade. I've been asking around in the wake of some discussions about Jake Fisher and others about Collins. I think that's probably where the question came from. I saw some aggregation about Jake's comments on Nate Duncan's podcast, which actually happened like nine days ago. But uh, Jake was they were pretty just candid talking about it. And he thinks that Collins has been shopped around a little bit. And I, I totally understand that. Um, there's some I would say there, there's some conflicting messages out there with regard to what I'm hearing about Collins. Certainly, even behind the scenes, off the record stuff, like about how, just how urgent the Hawks are. Obviously, he is available. I want to stress that. Everyone on the roster outside of Trey Young is available, and Collins might be a little bit more available than other guys at this point in time. I still think that it's not quite as urgent as some want to paint it when, when it comes to that, but there's stuff out there about Tony Wrestler, of course, making some big moves, etc. Um, there is a rumbling out there from Portland in particular. Uh, there's been reporting, of course, on Sacramento wanting to trade the number four pick 
for a more present-facing player, which I talked about a lot with Andrew Kelly on the show recently. But um, also, Portland has a number seven overall pick, and they're looking for a similar move to kind of move that for a, a more established piece. And Collins has been rumored as a potential guy there. Um, that number seven pick would definitely have the appeal to it. I would just say... I'm not super high on that draft range in this class. I don't think you're likely to get a star little prospect number seven in this, in this draft. It's obviously a valuable pick in a lot of ways. It's a mid-lottery pick, but there's no uh, game changer there for me. Maybe AJ Griffin, if you were to slide there, would be interesting number seven or overall. But in a vacuum, I think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, at least I would definitely take, in terms of if you just compare Collins' current value versus uh, the potential upside of number seven overall, number, number seven overall pick, I should say. I think it is more often than not going to be where Collins is better than that player. But obviously there's the team control aspect. There's the cheap uh, in terms of rookie contract aspect. You're getting a little bit younger. And there's the upside beyond that if you want to look at it that way. They have some matching salary. Portland does with Eric Bledsoe, who's more like a Gallo-style uh, non-guarantee matching kind of guy. And then they also have like Josh Hart, who's actually a really good player in the Hawks, which you be interested in. Now, I don't think the Hawks are going to get both number seven and Josh Hart for John Collins. Um, I would like that in terms of a value, but I think in general, um, I think Hart is a pretty good value and the number seven pick has a lot of value. So I'm not sure where that lands, but I think that's definitely out there. Um, with regard to Collins overall, just to answer the question one more time, I think it's you know decently likely for that, for, that, for that to happen. I'm not rooting for it to happen. I think there's definitely a good chance he comes back as well. Um, you know, it's for me, the way I've been answering this the last couple of podcasts and you know, on other, other shows, et cetera, is that there's nobody on the roster that I would bet on being traded individually. I think that there are lots of guys who could be traded and have like a pretty decent chance of being traded. But I think, you know, Collins might be on the higher side of this list. But mo most of these guys are like within like the 30 to 40 percent range of whether they'll be traded or not uh, it does seem like there's a lot of buzz on Collins I'll just say that out loud but um, I think that he's uh, had that before and then not ended up being traded and the Hawks do value him obviously they're not going to give him away for nothing there could be an interesting uh, move there but I will just remind you to before I move on here I, I won't go crazy deep on this that um, with Gallo probably not coming back for the Hawks the Hawks don't have anything behind him at the four so Anytime you move Collins in the next couple of weeks and months, you have to have a solution at the four. And uh, obviously this is a multi-tier process. Not only every move is going to be like perfect in a, in a vacuum, but I think in general, especially let's just say if you had to do the, the Collins for number seven overall draft pick um, hypothetical, you need to have a plan B at the four because no matter what happens, nothing you're getting in the draft this year is going to help you win at that level that Collins can help you win right now. And obviously wrestler and company want to win in the short term. So all that said, he could be moved. It wouldn't shock me, but uh, nothing is set in stone at this point in time. Next thing I want to get to, got a lot of questions about Jeremy Grant in coming in the uh, coming. I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna pull a question. There was lots of questions about Jeremy Grant because Mark Stein talked about Jeremy Grant in his uh, newsletter this week, as well as other people. I've heard a lot of people on Grant and also behind the scenes. The Hawks have been interested for a couple times about Jeremy Grant in the last year plus. I heard the other day um, from an interesting place that the Hawks were offering potential someone like McDonavich and their pick this year. So like a mid first round pick and bogey for Jeremy Grant and uh, Detroit wasn't like jumping all over that or anything like that. That's a pretty reasonable hypothetical. I'm not sure if it's hundred percent true, but it's just one of those things that you hear behind the scenes. Um, I will say I'm not over the moon about Grant largely because of what he apparently wants in extension. Uh, all indications are that he's going to want to be uh, paid heavily. And he got a big deal from the, from the Pistons, but now he's extension eligible and he could sign up for up in four years, like $110 million. I would not want to give him that contract. I think he's a good player now. That's probably worth that money in year one or two of that deal. But by the end of that, at age like 32, 33, he probably is going to be slowing down a little bit. He's 28 now. That's totally fine. He's, he's in his prime. But I think Grant is a perfectly solid to good starter, but not a guy who's going to like change your franchise necessarily. He would be better than what the Hawks have. I will say that. If you view Grant as a three, he is notably better than Hunter right now. 
Obviously, Hunter long-term could be better. That's definitely still on the table in my mind. But if you were to upgrade from, let's just say, Bogey to Grant um, and kind of slot Herter at the two, and then you kind of go from there, um, that probably makes you better in the short term. Uh, obviously, Bogey gives you a lot of shooting stuff that Grant doesn't really give you, but he's a good scorer, good secondary guy. He'd be their best sort of creator in terms of like for his own shot that they have on the roster other than Trey. And then defensively, he is pretty strong as well. Not, not an elite defender. I think he's probably a little bit overrated in some circles, but he's a pretty good player overall and definitely worth that money now. But Obviously, an interesting hypothetical. I wouldn't go crazy. Like some of the asking prices on Grant that have been out there, like two first round picks, I wouldn't want to do that. I think one of those guys on the Hawks roster, and really they kind of has to be someone like Herter or Bogey for money reasons. One of those guys plus a pick for Grant is like a reasonable trade. I'm not saying they have to make that. I would not trade Collins for Jeremy Grant. I've been on record about that for a year plus now. I think Collins is just a better player than Grant. He's also younger, and I think we'll be on a better contract moving forward. So I would not trade Collins for Grant flat out. If it's Grant with something else for Collins, that becomes more interesting. But if it's just Collins for Grant, no thanks. If it's someone like Bogey or Herter plus a pick for Grant, that's uh, more interesting in my opinion. Okay, before we get to the rest of the rumblings and some more mailbag questions, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online can be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information this year and always. Find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, which are still ongoing right now with the NBA Finals happening as we speak. MLB scores and odds and lines, all that fun stuff. They have fights, even future bets on next season's NFL, college football, college basketball, next, next season's NBA, next season's NHL, etc. That's all available at Bet Online, and they're the continuous source for all wagering information. They have live betting, they have esports, they have all the playoff action you want, and much more. And beyond that, Bet Online has all the other sports that you might enjoy wagering on. That includes golf and tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have hockey, of course, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and any sport you can think of. And beyond that, they have poker, casino games, and every other offering that you might enjoy in the wagering space. Head to Bet Online right now today or your computer or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, some more rumblings before we get to see the other, the other questions that are in the mailbag on today's show. There's some Rudy Gobert stuff out there from Jake Fisher and KOC over at the Ringer and Tony Jones of The Athletic. There was a crossover discussion between Tony Jones and Chris Kirshner that got a lot of attention from Hawks fans, as they probably would notably happen. Obviously, nothing really new here on Gobert that's been out there for a while. The Hawks got some interest there. He's definitely available-ish from Utah. And uh, nothing, I would say, rising to the level of actual rumor at this point in time. I thought it was notable that Tony Jones, who covers the Jazz every day, thought the Jazz would be asking for a Collins plus Hunter package, plus a first-round pick, and maybe Jalen Johnson as well for Rudy Gobert. I would not do that if I was the Hawks. Now, Gobert is really good. We talked about that a lot in the in the recent past, both with Andrew and by myself. I'm not going to re- relitigate that entire thing, but Gobert is good. He's a better player than Capella, but he's also on a massive contract that I think is going to end badly. He's also older than you would want, so there's some pluses and minuses to any Gobert pursuit. Just as a reminder, he is a good player, but that is a deal that is probably not going to be good at the end. That's a, I think he's like four years, $160-plus million for a guy who's already in his late 20s. And is obviously a little bit limited in some respects, but obviously an awesome defender, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. I'm also on record also of saying that if the Hawks were to trade for someone like Gobert or DeAndre Ayton, they kind of have to have plans for Capella and a Kongwu. Um, obviously, that Tony, Run- that Tony Jones hypothetical did not have Capella in it. I think that any deal to send uh, the Hawks, sorry, to send Gobert to the Hawks would kind of have to have Capella in it somewhere. Um, and even then, I would go as far as to say I'd have a hard time bringing a Kongwu back if you were to invest what it what it would actually take to get Gobert or Ayton. Uh, not because of a Kongwu, but just because like if you do that, you have to play those guys 30 
two plus minutes per game and you're kind of just capping what a Kongwu can give you. So there's some value in looking to at least trade him if that were to happen. So I don't want to go, go crazy on this, but obviously I've seen all of that. People ask if I'd seen it. Yes, I've seen all of it. Not, not a whole lot new there. I think you're basically handing Rudy Gobert the starting center job for as long as he is here. And obviously he's a really good player. He would change your team and make them better in the short term, especially as I like Capella quite a bit. Gobert is a better player, but uh, I think that's not exactly the highest ceiling move in the world to me. So there are pluses and minuses if it happens. If, if we get a real rumor, I'll probably break down even more, but that's kind of where I am on Gobert at this point in time. And the last bit of rumblings that I was asked about in the coming days, and sorry, in the recent days, was a report from Matt Moore of the Action Network, friend of the podcast, love Matt. Um, he wrote this week that multiple league sources have indicated that calls centered around DeAndre Hunter have been steered by the Hawks toward Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter instead. Now, this is not surprising to me, but people were kind of just make, making sure that I saw it. Look, I've been saying it for a while. As much as I think that Hunter did not play well this year in a lot of ways, um, I still think he's going to be a good player and the Hawks still value him. Now, is it the same as it was a year ago, two years ago? I'm not 100% sure. They might have a little bit less value on him now than they had been internally, but make no mistake, they still believe in DeAndre Hunter. That is uh, on the table. This is a good reminder of that. They do not want to trade Hunter in the same uh, sort of tier of guys like your like your bogeys and, and herders. So uh, while I would argue that bogey and herder are both better players today than Hunter is, uh, Hunter still uh, has that pedigree internally, and the Hawks moved a lot to get him, of course, in the draft, probably overpaid to get him, of course, in the draft. But um, it's interesting reporting there from Matt, and I think I've heard the same. Like They still value Hunter. I think Hunter is in that tier with a Kongu of guys they don't really want to trade. Um, and that doesn't mean they won't, but certainly they're. Uh, I, I, I would certainly echo what Matt had to report about Hunter versus uh, Bogey and and Herter, they'd rather trade those guys than trade Hunter. Okay. I got a question now. We'll sort of dive into the actual direct mailbag questions before we uh, move on to other things. So uh, this one comes from, I'm looking at the name now. There it is. It is, uh, it's Clint. I'm not sure if that's a Clint Capella account or what. So my apologies, but it might be be someone someone named Clint. So there you go. Uh, The question is, what do you take from which players the Hawks have had in for workouts for the draft? Would they draft someone at 16 that has not been in Atlanta for a workout? And I guess the question is how much they actually matter. So good opportunity here to kind of just list off the Hawks who, sorry, the players the Hawks have actually had in town for a publicly announced workout. And we'll come back to this later on, but the list is very, very long of like every single player. They're all like these six player workouts. So like it's like a hundred plus guys, but um, the guys who are like potential top 20 ish picks. And I want to say that I don't have all these guys in my top 20, but still Marjan Bochamp, Malachi Branham, Christian Braun, uh, sorry, Christian Brown, Kendall Brown, Kennedy Chandler, Terry Eason, Jaden Hardy, Trevor Keels, EJ Liddell, Bryce McGowans, and Blake Wesley. That's 11 guys who I think could reasonably be selected in the top 20 that have been in for an interview or a workout in Atlanta. I would stress again that a lot of guys who are projected to go in the top you know, 12 to 13 just won't come, even if they offer a workout to a guy that's like, let's just say Johnny Davis. If you're Johnny Davis and you think, I think there's a reasonable chance, a small one, but a reasonable one, he could fall to 16. But his projection, he's in the green room for the NBA draft. Um, usually those guys are not going to want to come work out for a team that has number 16 overall pick. So keep that in mind. The Hawks can't just summon anybody they want. So guys have to agree to come to the uh, workout in Atlanta. And furthermore, beyond that, this is actually kind of important. There is nothing at all from the Hawks sort of present, prevents the Hawks that uh, actually want to have a workout with a guy and not announce it. In fact, they do this all the time, especially individual settings. They will not just announce every workout. I know for an absolute fact that they have held individual workouts in previous draft cycles and not announced them. And that's totally fine. Uh, I've been covering the team for a long time. Before Travis Schlenk, in the Budenholzer era and the Danny Farah era before that, the Hawks just never announced 
draft workouts. Like the Hawks make it pretty easy on you now. Um, they open them up. They send out releases as to who's coming to town. It was like pulling teeth to get information on workouts in the Ferry Bootenholzer era. So all teams do this stuff differently. But I will tell you, the Hawks have drafted guys in the last five, six, seven years that were not in Atlanta for workouts for the draft. It's just, it's totally fine. Or drafted guys that only came in for individual workouts and were never announced. That's also fine as well. So keep that all in mind. And as far as the question is concerned, you shouldn't make too much of anything about just the Hawks bringing a guy in. I saw some, every time I tweet out a list of guys who's coming, I see some celebrations or some disdain or whatever. Um, I think just a good example is Kenny Chandler, who was a guy I like actually, but I cannot imagine the Hawks taking Kenny Chandler, who just for the record, if not a draft person, is a six foot point guard only player from Tennessee. Uh, there's just no way in my mind the Hawks take that guy 16 overall. And I like him. I think if I was a different team at 16 overall, I would consider Kenny Chandler. But for the Hawks, he can't play with Trey. You drafted Sharif a year ago. That You just don't need to do that at all. At all. So, But the Hawks worked him out because it's due diligence. Why wouldn't you do that? If the Hawks were to move down, um, trade down, or buy, in a, buy an early second round pick or something like that, and he slips there, there's reasons to work out anybody. In fact, the Hawks pretty much work out anybody they can. And that's what most teams do. But um, generally speaking, the other part of the question was that like kind of whether the Hawks would draft someone 16 that they didn't, actually didn't work out. And the answer is definitely yes to that. In fact, again, like it, it's happened before. I think the biggest reason why that might happen would be if the guy slipped a little bit. Let's, let's use the Johnny Davis example or the Dyson Daniels example, something like that. A guy who was projected to go in the top 10 or 12 that just kind of slides um, on accident or whatever. Um, maybe that guy didn't come to for a workout uh, a year ago. Jalen Johnson, I would have told you was pretty unlikely to get to 20 and it happened. Um, so that's, uh, that's probably the most likely scenario of a guy not working out for the Hawks and also getting to the Hawks and having them draft him at 16. The big thing is the medicals. And generally speaking, a team can get a medical report from an agent or somebody, another team, whatever. So, um, you know, that's the biggest thing about workouts. I think they're often overvalued when it comes to actual in-person play in a one-on-one workout or whatever that is. So that's a whole nother rant, but for now, Hopefully that answers the question. The Hawks have, uh, they've definitely been looking at a lot of different players. The lists are very, I'm keeping them all. And uh, it is pages and pages of guys who've been in town. But again, 11 guys have already been in Atlanta announced that are first round candidates and uh, probably more to come in the coming days. Okay. Uh, more questions to come on the podcast, but first a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Sakara and filling your best with what, what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy and balanced lifestyle and actually truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company that's anchored food as medicine, and they're on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. And Sakara gives you the tools that you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. They have nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfast, lunch, and dinners, and they're made with powerful plant-rich ingredients to help you boost your energy. They support your digestion. They curb your sugar cravings, and they get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered to your door and it's ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials cup you created by that you absolutely love to live in. And they have their super powder as well as the foundation, their daily supplement packs. And Sakara's products are designed to help you support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Sakara's offering our listeners 20% off on their first order when they use sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the promo code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, which is spelled S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash locked on 20. 20% off your first order with Sakara. One more time, that is Sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right, more questions from the listeners. And thank you again for listening uh, to the podcast and also spending questions. Uh, I won't get to all of them. I never do, but uh, keep them coming for sure. Shout them out at Locked on Hawks on Twitter or send them to Locked on Hawks at gmail.com for a little bit longer for Twitter. And I'll try to answer them either on, on that platform or on the podcast. A uh, question from Dalvin, who asks, as a Hawks fan, how much should I care about free agency for this season? It's weird to root for a team that does not have cap space after they did for a long time. 
Um, the short answer is that you should care, but not as much as you used to care about free agency in a lot of ways. Now, in theory, the Hawks do have the full mid-level exception. And I know Chris Kershaw of The Athletic wrote about a bunch of guys that can maybe target with that kind of exception. In practice and in reality, it's kind of hard for me to imagine the Hawks actually using the full MLE because they have so much money committed and the tax concerns. But it would – so basically what I would say is I would lower expectations when it, with regard to outside free agents. The Hawks could reasonably sign a guy or two above the minimum, but not going to be a huge splash. Like some of those higher-end names like are probably like four-year MLE candidates, and I can't imagine the Hawks giving that out without other – pretty significant roster changes. So I can't like project that right now. Um, they're going to have to sign some minimum guys though. Like I, I know this for a fact, the Hawks are going to have some minimum slots to fill out the roster. And uh, generally speaking for a team that's trying to win, you want to find some guys who can maybe help you with those slots. Uh, not always easy, but uh, also you have DeLon Wright as a looming free agent from the, from last year's roster, who's going to be more than the minimum, but still a guy that you might want to bring back. So that could all change in the near future. But basically if you're going up to the tax line as the Hawks are salary wise, Free agency is not going to feel like it used to feel. You know, for years, the Hawks had a big cap space. Of course, they, they spent a ton of money in that one summer on Bogey and on Gallo, and it helped them a lot. They made the conference finals partly as a result of that, especially, you know, the Bogey deals look good for them. Gallo did his part for the most part. But uh, look, moving forward, with all the money they have committed to Trey and to Herter and to Bogey still for two more years and Collins and Capella, it's you know, maybe 100 down the line. They're not going to have cap space for a while, I don't think. So keep that in mind and adjust your mindset accordingly. Uh, speaking of Bogey, I got, I got two questions about this, and I heard it as well. But uh, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan did a podcast recently on their free feed that um, discussed some potential veteran extension candidates. Um, and they brought up Bogey on that. I think it was Hollinger brought him up. I want to stress this was not reporting from either side. This was this is just them talking about guys who are eligible for extensions. And Bogey actually is eligible, like Capella was a year ago when he signed that extension kind of out of nowhere. Bogey's kind of a similar standpoint now. Um, he does have two years left. The last year is a player option for 23-24, million a year. He's appropriately paid, although there's some knee questions for sure. In fact, there's some rumblings out there that he actually had sort of, some sort of procedure in the offseason that was reported somewhere in Europe, and he's probably may not play in Eurobasket for Serbia. Uh, nothing official from, from the team at all, and uh, you might remember this from last offseason, but the Hawks had three or four guys that had some sort of like offseason cleanup, and the Hawks didn't announce those things at all. They don't really have to in the offseason, so it's kind of a weird situation. But Bogey's knee, uh, let's just say, is a question mark on some level, given that he's the last two years has not finished the season uh, at full strength by any means. So that's a question. And even beyond that, like what number would you actually want to extend him at to make him more valuable than he is now if you want to trade him and they might want to trade him in the future? Also, he has to want to take the extension, so you can't just like lowball him crazy. And uh, the player option gives him some more leverage as well. So you can't go more than two extra years either on that deal or else you can't trade it for six months. And if you're the Hawks, you probably want to have him be trade eligible. Remember this about the Capella deal. He became functionally untradeable last year during the season because of the way they extended him and the timing and all that stuff. So all that said, I think Bogey is at an age where like, yeah, if you want to attack on another year, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I don't know why he would do that. I'm not sure if the Hawks want to do that with Herder already signed and some money stuff moving forward. It's just more to say that like he is eligible for extension. It's not impossible. I would bet against it for sure. Um, but he is eligible. Keep that in mind. He's the one guy on the roster, I believe, that is, that is rookie. Sorry, that is non-rookie extension eligible. Of course, Hunter is rookie extension eligible, which we talked about a number of times already. Probably we'll talk about again. But Bogey is a guy to always keep a uh, half an eye on in the coming days. Next question is actually an extension question as well, but it's in the future. Comes from Dr. Sam, who asks, uh, he has his, his, his annual one year too early rookie extension question, which is what type of extension will, uh, will the Kong will be in line for 
or at least what would you assume is the market value at this point for Kanye? Uh, first, I love this question, so thanks for asking it. At the same time, it's almost impossible to answer this question right now, which makes it kind of fun, but also kind of uh, frustrating in some ways. I will plug right now uh, a recent, like, very deep dive that I did with Glenn Willis on the podcast about a Kongwu, about what he does well, what he can do in the future, his age, all that fun stuff, his trajectory. That's a good resource about a Kongwu, so I'm not going to do all that stuff now. But the single biggest factor in a Kongwu's market value when it comes to an extension is how much he plays next year because and his role for next year, basically. And we just don't know that right now. That's, that's the hardest thing about this is that Capella is still on the team. And if they were to trade for someone like Gobert or Ayton, Okongwu's role is not going to grow very much. Even with Capella on the team, there's only so much you can play Okongwu with Capella on the roster. That's just the that's just the reality situation. Even if Okongwu you believe in, and I, I do believe in Okongwu, as we talked about a lot on that podcast with Glenn, but if he's playing a lot next summer, let's say they trade Capella for something else that's not a center, and they kind of anoint Okongwu as the main guy at the five. Then you'll learn a lot about Okongwu in the next year. And it gives him a chance to, you know, obviously if that happened, you could pay him. He could be commanding $20 million a year, a year from now in extension. If that were to all happen well, and he plays extremely well, he'll be super young, all that stuff. Former top prospect, top, you know, number, number six overall pick, etc. Super fun skill set, skill set for the modern game, etc. Or on the downside, if he's still a backup center on the Hawks roster a year from now, it's hard to see him getting a ton of money from the Hawks a year early in extension because you don't know what you have still. Um, and also you just kind of, you know, blocked on some level. So reasonably projection wise, it's like, again, very, very hard. But a couple of like comparison deals recently for guys that are like interesting players that weren't like 100% proven yet. Like Jakob Pertl is one. Robert Williams is one from Boston. Um, Okongwu was a higher pick than those guys. Williams had probably played a little bit more and turned a little bit more before he got paid, but had some injury issues, of course. Pirtle, much more of a defensive player, but still a guy who I think is undervalued. Those guys are like in the low eight figures per season, like 10 to 13 million or so in year one with growing salary. Uh, Robert Williams is probably going to be a good value on that deal for Boston. They got, they got him with, before the uh, sort of breakout sort of, sort of came for him. And maybe if, if you're the Hawks, you want to get Okongwu locked up before he gets uh, sort of that full breakout. But um, those are kind of guys that I would maybe compare to, but again, that's more in the, like, he hasn't quite broken out yet range. If a year from now he's been starting for half the season and looking awesome, he's going to be signing for a lot more than that. So I'm not sure. Um, it's definitely so tied to who's on the roster that it's really, really hard to answer that. But I do love the question. And uh, it just happens to be that between his pedigree, his talent level and the situation with it behind a behind Capella at a sort of one position player that he is right now. It's just so hard to answer that. So thank you. And we'll talk about that more in the future. I am very sure about that. Okay. Last question for today before we get out of here, because the finals game is uh, approaching as I'm recording this. Um, it's actually non-basketball, which I appreciate on occasion. So came from Cal, who says, this may not get answered. Well, it, it is being answered, Cal. So thanks for that. Um, but he says, I'd love to know a non-Hawks answer, like what movies or TV you enjoyed recently. So I don't always do this, but it's a good time to do it. So as I record this again on Friday, June 10th, I saw Top Gun Maverick uh, earlier this week, which was an absolute delight. A-plus cinema, really enjoyed that, top to bottom. It was uh, everything you would want from a Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun re reboot, Tom Cruise and his element, Miles Teller doing Miles Teller things. It was fun. I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, that's, a, that's a recent one. I will, just for other references, I'll watch like Marvel stuff all the time. I love court courtroom dramas or sports movies, heist movies, documentaries, big, doc big documentary guy. Um, like Moneyball is awesome, for instance. Uh, Ocean's 11, 12, 13 trilogy is like my favorite of all time. I will always text with Robbie Callen, friend of the podcast, about those movies. And my father always, and brother loves those movies as well. So uh, those are fun for me. Um, 
I go to the movies, which they went to the movies pretty often before the pandemic. That's kind of my one outlet other than sports to like go do stuff. I'm not a huge like party guy or whatever, but uh, I haven't been a ton recently. I have been going back a little bit more frequently in recent days, including Top of Maverick, but uh, I do like the movies when I have time. Of course, I have way too many jobs famously. I also, again, like I love documentaries about like interesting things. Um, you know, I've been into the sort of docudramas as well recently, like your the dropout with uh, Elizabeth Holmes one with Amanda Seyfried or whatever however you say her name. Uh, the crazy one with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway about WeWork was interesting to me. So uh, I do watch things that are not sports. I do mostly watch sports. And uh, especially this time of year, watching a lot of NBA draft tape in addition to live games and baseball and all the other fun stuff that I have to do. But occasionally... I will watch movies and TV shows. TV is a long list as well. I have my uh, my go-tos and uh, interesting stuff. Like, I like Hacks right now. That's one that I like, um, et cetera. So uh, wall-to-wall when it comes to sports stuff always, but I do try to escape a little bit, and uh, often movies are the way to do that. And if you have any recommend- recommendations, I'll take them for sure. Uh, I'm not quite a robot. Uh, I'm close to a robot sometimes, but not quite all the way there. So hopefully that's just the question, and we'll have many more in the future. All right, that's it for today's podcast. Please, please, please subscribe to the show. My plan for the next two weeks basically is to have a couple more guests on about the draft. We have our player capsule stuff wrapping up. We have three players left with Glenn Willis and I. We also have probably at least one more solo show between now and the draft where I'll kind of offer my final thoughts on the class, maybe some more mailbag questions, um, some rankings, some preferences for Atlanta. And just as a reminder, we're in that range now where the Hawks could make a trade before the draft. Uh, It's happened before. Uh, As a reminder, uh, Torian Prince was drafted on June, uh, sorry, traded on June 6th back in the day to Brooklyn. It wasn't official, but it was agreed to and reported on June 6th. The Dwight Howard trade happened before the draft when they sent him to Charlotte. Uh, that was uh, a few days before the draft as well. So we're not in the total dead zone anymore. It's not only draft, probably still the draft is the kickoff when it comes to that. But people have been asking me like when trades begin. Uh, the short answer is that can happen anytime. But uh, generally, the closer you get to the draft, the more likely a trade actually becomes both for the Hawks and across the league. So stay stay tuned. We'll have emergency podcasts when needed, all that fun stuff. But please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, especially these, these days, and leave a comment wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Reviews are always positive, five-star ratings, and all that fun stuff. Please tell a friend about the show. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you next week.